0: the cat and cloud coffee podcast is brought to you by wilbur curtis wilbur curtis gives you some of the best batch brewers around they're so consistent they're insane you can program them your coffee's gonna taste better than it ever has and if you don't want to deal with that guess what it comes pre-programmed so don't even worry about it Also, this family-owned company has gone full solar, full green, full awesome. You know what that means? That means the sun comes down, they get the power, the power powers the plant, where they create the brewers, and those brewers come out to us ready to go. Have you ever heard of a seraphim? Not just an angel, folks. No, folks. That is a tasty, tasty brewer for buy the cup coffee. Even the coffee nerds can get a nice little showerhead, program that thing. You heard of the clover? This is the new new. Seraphim. Angel. Ring down. Happy coffee. Everything is coming together for you. If you hit up Wilbur Curtis and my friend Brent Curtis, who I've seen, who has kids, I have seen. Of course, I've seen him. He's a great guy. He helps us out all the time. Takes his kids to Disneyland. We have the best time as well. This family-owned company treats people right. They do a great job. They're becoming the premier place to get your coffee equipment for batch brewing. Do it, to it. And if you need a water boiler, guess what? They have that too. Okay. Bye-bye. All right, y'all. Hi, and welcome to a special episode of the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. My name is Jared Truby. I'm rolling solo today. Uh, A little while back, uh, we talked about our lectures that we gave at the SCA Global Trade Show. And today I want to take the time to kind of go through mine. I found out that uh, the lecture won't be available till like late July and I didn't want the uh, momentum to pass. So today we're going to go into that. I'm going to do, I think, a two-part episode and go through Authenticity Cells, Creating and Sustaining an Engaging Culture. Uh, this is going to definitely be a little bit more, I don't know, educational per se, and I hope you guys all enjoy it. This is what I delivered to the uh, really awesome room of people who came to to uh, see me. It was very intimidating, but a really fun time. And uh, Chris is going to also um, modify his kind of speech and in, um, in PowerPoint in order to get it uh, up and available for people as well, which was on converting consumers to specialty coffee. And that also went over really, really well. So uh, yeah, get ready to dive into it. I mean, you guys, for those who have listened to this Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast know that Chris and I have been in specialty coffee for a really, really long time, and um, almost more so than coffee itself, I've been interested in culture and growing people, and um, creating these spaces where there's commonality and focused goals. And I always found that when things were going really, really well, it was all because there was a common focus for everybody, and so uh it led me to want to write the presentation that i gave at um, sca in seattle and uh, it was really cool that it got accepted so i mean bringing the enjoyment to the workplace is one of those things that breeds fun and i think fun is one of the most contagious things for everybody who um, enters your establishment can feel so that's one of the main goals in the things I'm going to talk about. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of clarity. And um, so let's just kind of get into to what I talked about. There was kind of three main points to the whole presentation. There was values and common purpose. There was designing culture and there was sustaining and retaining culture. And a lot of what I talked about, I learned over the years and my, you know, um, 15 to 17 years of specialty coffee experience, I've also gone to classes at the Disney Institute, which is like their business classes. I did a leadership class. I did an employee engagement class. And then I've also done a lot of studying through podcasts and online materials. So uh, all of those things have helped uh, me put together this little talky talk talk we're going to have. So one of the things that people always kind of trip about is like, trying to describe culture. It's always this weird thing where everybody's like, well, we're kind of like this and we're kind of like that. And we're, you know, this is a thing. And I found a cool quote from James Haskett in the book, The Culture Cycle that helped me. And uh, I mean, essentially the breakdown is this, culture just equals behavior. In an organization's culture is complex, but it's not hard to describe. It's often explained as being the way that we do things around here. What I'm basically saying is what goes and what doesn't. And in your business, if you were to take a look at everything going on, you would actually be able to say to yourself, oh, here are the things that are non-negotiables. These are the things that we do all day, every day. They're really, really important to us. And then there's other things that kind of happen. And one of the main questions that arises is, do you have culture by design or do you have a culture by default? And I'm a big believer in proponer, the little proponer, the that was a cool thing. Uh, <laughs> I believe that culture by design is everything. It's a really, really important thing. And I believe that the ability to create a culture is, is a systemic thing. It's a social thing. And it's, it's all based on commonality. And I believe all those things are able to be designed with intention. And it's something that we at Cat and Cloud try to do. So, you know, I talked a little bit about this. And one of the main ways you can, you can get into this is, is in establishing some intentional values for your company. Like, what are they? Are they going to be values that you make and are formed by proactive leadership intentionally? Or are they going to organically form because everybody on your comp- in your company is passive and you haven't really decided to establish who you are as a company? And I think all the, one of the biggest goals that we can all have for our companies is to clearly define and articulate company values for all people to see. And we need to make sure that we can reinforce these values in every single thing that we do. Because all of our actions and all the people's actions that work for us are telling a story about what they value. And if we can decide now before we start a company and, or if you have started a company, you know what those are, then you can help teach everybody how to live those values all day, every single day, which can be a very life-changing thing. You see values are the lenses you and your entire organization consider in order to make decisions. They'll definitely ensure that you remain authentic and consistent despite any growth or changes to company vision. And I think that is one of the main insane things that you can do for yourself because you know, here's the thing. We have a vision at Cat and cloud, right? We have three stores a roastery and a little mini store by 2020. And that's the plan. That's the current plan. We're going to hit that vision. But after that vision, we've got an opportunity to do whatever we want. We get to decide, okay, what's the next vision? now that we've reached this benchmark and this pinnacle and the values are going to ensure that whatever we decide to do it's going to feel like cat and cloud and that allows us to actually so much freedom i have a ton of different passions that are deeper not deeper different than coffee Chris has a lot of passions that are different than coffee and we'd like to be able to creatively express those things. Not only that, we'd like to share that with our staff. We have a lot of really smart people already coming on and I believe in the next two to three stores, we're going to have a lot more amazing, smart, diverse people coming on. And I'd love to be able to provide opportunities for people to be creative and strive to reach really, really cool, cool goals and destinations. And I want to make sure that it feels like cat and cloud. So finding like-minded people and allowing all of us to come together under a value system will allow us to execute whatever we want and however we want, as long as we maintain and stay true to ourselves. So like to put some words right to, to values for those who are still maybe not completely tracking, totally fine. We value teamwork, respect, courtesy, accuracy. We put on the show. We value courage, balance, balance, continuous improvement, authenticity, and professionalism. And all those things are meant to be built into every single training, every single action, and so on and so forth. And those things are so important because they protect your culture. And when you can protect your culture, you can win. So like picture this, you have, One of the main ways, one of the most important ways is to take conflict, conflict management and make it easier and discipline. When somebody in your company does something that's against your company values, you can speak specifically to something that everybody has agreed upon. Feelings can oftentimes be taken off the table, which can make people have the ability to move forward and understand why and having the understanding of why is a lot of the times the key to being able to move forward in a positive manner. If you want to decide how to build a really cohesive and amazing training program and how you want to get into training design, then values are going to be a way for you to refer back and and have kind of a checklist. Do these training processes ensure that we are valuing teamwork? Are we teaching the value of teamwork? Are we teaching the value of accuracy? Are we showing people in this training how to be extremely courteous throughout the service process, even though it is extremely hard? You know, are we able through these training processes to remind people that if they have ways to critique in a positive way, the training and improve our company, that they feel comfortable in innovating here at Cat and Cloud? There's a number of different examples, but one of the most uh, is making sure that you hire the right people and values will protect that as well. So, you know, you got kind of a general look at values there. I'm not going to dive too much deeper, but that's, that's values in a nutshell. What you can do to help support values is having a common purpose. Putting a common purpose together is a way for everybody to take the complexities of day-to-day operations and point them in the right direction. So for us at Cat and Cloud, we have like a global mission statement. We have a retail mission statement. The global retail statement, retail statement? (laughs) The global mission statement is that we use coffee as a catalyst to engage our community and making people happier than they were when they came into contact with us. That was the retail one. I've just really, I had a migraine earlier. It's just going away. So forgive me. That was our retail mission statement. Our global company Mission statement is we change people's lives with coffee. And that's true. Um, I would encourage you and I encourage our team and we put a lot of value into this. We want our team to memorize this along with our company values. In our meetings, we've gone as far to give away one hour massages to anybody who can speak them from memory and talk about an application because the people who live these out and think about them day to day are going to be the people who ensure that your company feels like your company is supposed to feel and your company is what it's supposed to be. It is so, so, so important to be able to speak about your company values and to live your company values. So, Maybe some questions to answer if you're like, what are our company values or what are things our company, how do we operate? What's our culture? What's going on? There's a couple of questions you could ask yourself and they would help you to kind of get your mind around this a little more. Um, If somebody came and asked you who, like somebody had a lot of motivation to move up in your company and they wanted to know how to succeed and they asked you that would you be able to give them a clear answer? Would you be able to say, yeah, here's how you move past wherever we are right now up into um, a leadership position in any way, shape or form or any f- any sort of forward movement. Say it's just from uh, an intro level, a concierge register person to a barista. What will they need to do? Um, and have you ever felt that way? Have you ever had a ton of motivation to move up and help your company grow? But have you not had any clue on how to do that? That's a really hard thing. Uh, Let's see. What's another cool question. Have you been in trouble or been coached on the floor in a way that made you feel small, unsafe, or stupid? Because I think a lot of us have. That helps you kind of see what your, um, kind of the culture of your company is and what goes. Do you feel like your team is a family or really, really close? Or do you feel like it's a disjointed group of people who just have to work together? Is your team clicky? Uh, Do you feel like you've been mentored before? Or are people in your company focused on mentoring? Is that a common practice? Do your team members interact outside of work? What do you guys do together? What's it like? Those are all kind of little key indicators on what your company's culture could be like. Um, What are the leaders like? How much are they involved? How much are the owners around? Are they passionate about what's going on? Are they available can you talk to them at all or are they is there kind of a hierarchy where you don't get to talk to the owner and you need to be intimidated and scared of the owner is the owner open and able to talk to you and do they like you (laughs) or do they feel like they like anyone all these things kind of point you in the right direction to getting your mind around who your company is and what the values are and the thing is is if if you're in leadership now and this was a lot of uh, this conversation this this talk i gave was For everyone, but I think it was specifically to help people in leadership or owners, which there were a ton who showed up. Thank you for coming. I just want to reiterate that it is possible to create a team that consistently demonstrates your desired behaviors and lives your values. Um, the longer you've been open, it's going to be extremely hard and it's going to be a war and you're going to lose people. They're going to quit because change is hard. And it is absolutely worth it for you to go through this battle and to reset your company and to put it on the right track. Absolutely crucial, absolutely pivotal that you actually do it. And if you're off the track that you started to be on, whatever it takes to get back to that track, I encourage you to go for it because you and your company and your team are worth it. You see, everything we do is telling a story about what we value. So every time that you, as a leader are not standing up for the values in this company, your company, or every time that you as a leader turn a blind eye to something that is maybe hurting somebody else or maybe negatively affecting them. We often don't realize that what we're more saying is the rest of the team is not as important as avoiding this hardship or dealing with this hardship is not worth it in the protection of others. Our job as leaders is to protect the people who work for us. Our job as leaders is to support the people that work for us. It's not to grow the company at all costs. And I would wager that if you protect, you'll grow more naturally. Um, and if you don't believe me that it's possible to do so, I mean, think of all your favorite sports teams for those who are sports lovers, all the best teams have all the people performing the right way. They've got good coaching. They got good trust. They're all common purpose. They're all working hard and they're all focused on doing what they're supposed to do and playing their roles in a respectful manner. So I'd argue that no matter how you feel, it is possible to achieve these results and it's on you to find ways to do it. So how are some, some ways that we can go about designing our own cultures, right? First and foremost, I think we need to hire the right people, which we'll talk about. We need to train, 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 like it's going out of style. Like we've never done it before with more intention than I think a lot of us do. We need a major vision that can connect hearts and minds, and we need to have a lot of transparent communication. So for this episode, I think we're going to do most of this, um, most of the rest of this episode on training and hiring. Um specifically hiring first and we'll see how much we get into training and then maybe we'll jump, you know? Maybe it'll be a nice two-parter, maybe even a three-parter. I don't know, I jumped in early. It's going to be weird for you guys to have to listen to me by myself giving a presentation. <sighs> totally. And I have to hear myself too. All right. So, we're talking about hiring, right? Our job is to find out what these people are saying, right? Everybody comes to an interview prepared to say the right things. The best people have already done their research on you and they know exactly what you wanna hear, specifically most of the time in reference to professional answers. So I don't ask a lot of professional answers. I'm looking to find the why and why these people are the way they are. And your job is to find their whys and to see if they will be naturally compatible with your values, your common purpose, and your company vision because if they're not Either they'll be unhappy, they'll become toxic, or you'll have to fire them because they will not perform well. And all those things are not awesome. How many of y'all have fired somebody? How many of y'all love it? Nobody? Nobody? Totally. Terrible. It is not awesome to do so. So you need to hire cultural fits and you need to obsess them with values. Some questions that we ask to just kind of see where people are at, right? What does a normal work week look like? Or I'm sorry, I always do that. What does a normal week look like for you when you're not at work? And they get to answer and they talk about their week and what they're about. What's the first thing that comes to mind that makes you smile? And they get to talk about it. And it's funny because you get to pay attention. I'll, I'll go back through this and talk about why we ask these interesting questions or weird questions. Who's someone you look up to in your life and why? What was the last thing you worked through and finished successfully, even though you hated it? What was the last gift you bought yourself? What are some brands you look up to? What makes a successful and fun team? So a lot of the times what, what I end up doing is I listen to all their answers and I kind of see how those pieces fit together and whether or not I'm lucky in the way that I think, but more so than like the answers themselves, I more look at the correlation between what they say and all the answers and look at kind of the larger picture. So for instance, if the person talks about they, how they look up to somebody who strived to chase their goals, worked to learn a lot in order to achieve a dream, and then they talked about their work life, their, um, their life outside of work being, well, I just kind of hang out and I watch movies and I uh, chill all week and just kick it with friends. I just have a small picture that the things that they dream about doing and the things that they're currently doing don't necessarily line up. I will sometimes look at people and not look at people. That's terrible sounding. Um, I ask them, what's the first thing that comes to mind that make you smile? And then I assess the person and I see if the person answers in a relatively quick way or if they sit and think. And then if they sit and think, you really can tell for the most part if their answer is actually a genuine one or if it's an answer that they have formulated in their mind to impress you and the ones who are like well the first thing that comes to mind to make me smile is just giving amazing service in the cafe making somebody's day really blows my mind that's not always you know that's not always uh necessarily false but i can tell you that <laughs> you'll be able to tell if that if that is what they really are thinking my favorite ones are the people who are like you know it's kind of weird but I was just, they talk about something like a little bit goofy. I was just outside in my garden and I was actually having a grumpy day. And then the clouds parted and the sun shone on this orange tree in my yard. And I realized that I hadn't had an orange and I picked it and the orange was super good. And it totally made my day. And it's like, you know that that's not something that they just like made up to be cool. They like are talking about who they are, right? You're trying to know who these people are. And I'd love to know who these people are because these people are working for you. They're in a relationship with your business and you're allowed to fire them, AKA divorce them, AKA break up with them. But why would you want to do that? You don't want to do that. You want longevity out of your people. So you're asking questions to help uh, to support your vision, mission, and values. And you're trying to see if these people are going to be happy living them out. Or if it's going to be a challenge for them. Some uh, advice I'd have for you that I learned a long time ago. Everywhere I've gone has talked about this, and it's a hardcore statement. How was it? How do you feel when I say this? Hire slow and fire fast. Uh, I know a lot of people have felt like that is a little hardcore. Uh, a lot of people s- come at it and think um, that it feels elitist. Some people all kind of say that it's, you know, it's like a power play. I would definitely argue that it's absolutely not. Again, how many of y'all had to fire someone? It's the worst. I absolutely hate it. I especially hate it because I actually like almost everybody. And I mostly actually hate it that because I have this thing where I'm like really emotional, empathetic. And I, even if I didn't like the person hurting, someone is terrible for me. I, I don't like it. And, uh, And you essentially have to hurt people when you fire them, you have to hurt their feelings. So we want to make sure that we don't have to fire people if we can. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's something that happens. Like I had somebody that basically the long and the short of it, I'm not going to go super deep into the story for y'all who are at the, the lecture. You got to hear the whole thing, but I once brought somebody on and I didn't trust my gut in the move. Uh, the person interviewed really well, really honestly, but they spoke about something that was uh, maybe an issue of theirs that was a direct, direct, um wow, that's totally cool when you don't have your friend Chris to get their words out of you because Chris makes me a better man. Uh, <laughs> Well, uh, the worst, the, the worst way of saying it is, is a breach in company values it doesn't align with the company values this person had an issue that they recognized in themselves that they had worked on but basically they were cold in their delivery they had a hard time with teamwork they would sometimes put the quality of the job before the um, ability to, to maintain a positive team atmosphere and they would sometimes come across as the boss or elitist even though they were not in charge and that would become sort of toxic to the environment and people would have a hard time with it and they would have a hard time staying focused at work and they would feel, um, uncomfortable around the person. And so I kind of loved the honesty and I went against my gut and hired somebody who was like 90% a cultural fit and the person crushed work, worked really, really, really hard. But you know, after a few months, we found out that the person had had a few times where, you know, good intention, unfortunately. Right. But these things were happening and that's hard because in some places that is exactly fine for, for that kind of interaction and behavior. But for my company, it's not going to work for Chris and Charles and I's company. It's not going to work. So we had this extremely challenging, sad moment where we realized that this person is going to be unhappy here and they're not gonna be right for what we're trying to do. And this is the key. These people are awesome. This person is awesome. We like him, everybody on our team still likes him, but it happened. And so we had this issue where we had to let the person go. They also knew when I hired them that there was gonna be a zero tolerance if something like this ever happened. So there was clarity and while the I guess goal of the person was to make our company look as awesome as it could. It didn't necessarily line up with the value that my goal is to ensure that we have an amazing team so that we, we as a group can present a united awesome company and there can be cohesion. So that was really, really hard to go through. It was absolutely terrible. I felt it was not fun, but the thing is, is again, we're protecting the people who work for us. So if I go to bat for this one person who happens to, unfortunately, as much as everybody likes them, make other people feel uncomfortable or unappreciated or lesser, then that means that this person is more important than all the people that they make feel this way. And it was a learning opportunity for everyone, including the person. And I think that everybody grew through it, but it was a hard learning experience to go through. And I'd rather not have those kind of growing experiences. And I hope you wouldn't either. So the respect and protection of your employees, employees, and teammates depends on you hiring slow and firing fast. And I can't warn you enough. Do not hire because of likability. The companies who hire all their friends are definitely the companies that fail and ruin their friendships. It's really rough. It's really hard. It's really true. You have to hire because of the cultural fits every, every, every time. And then you have to take that opportunity and take all those cultural fits you hired and you have to launch them all in the right direction through an epic orientation program. I hope that you all have comprehensive, really good orientation programs. And if you do not, you need to get one because orientation programs are the opportunity for you to have huge connection points with your people, to launch them all with all the excitement in the world, true excitement in the world, not false. Do not give them a bunch of false positives and launch them into space, which I'll talk about in a second. Then you get to drop the common purpose on them and give them all a goal. It's really, 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 really important to have a good orientation program. And it helps you be able to talk about your values, demonstrate your values, and be proactive in utilizing them. So there's some like small things that we do just in reference to our orientation uh, that that reinforces values. Uh, there's kind of a lot, but there's simple things. Like if it's dinner time, because if we're doing an orientation at dinner time, we offer people food, we give it for them. We make sure we start on time and end on time because it's professional. Um, we actually talk about each individual person that is brought on and talk about why we hired them and something that stood out to us. And we speak specifically to a company value that we saw in them and reinforce it because I think it's really important to note how special people are. Everybody is extremely special. So I think that's huge. And then, um, you know, we go into it and we talk to them about what our plans are, what our common goal is, which is to make people happier than they were when they came in in retail. We talk to them about, and we're actually adding, right? Cause we're a young company. So we're adding all the different dimensions that will be coming to our company, but we add, you know, product knowledge and global impact, et cetera, et cetera. And we'll show them like the org chart and show them some of the directions that they can grow as of now. And we talk to them about our vision. And I mean, our, our current vision is tr- pretty straightforward, but the thing is, is the more a vision can be expressed in a vivid and imaginative way the more it will motivate people to action in the present time it'll help them feel like they're able to connect with your company which i consider pretty important i hope you would as well so i mean here's here's kind of what i did at the at the global trade show i i talked to everybody as if they were in the orientation you know so i took the time and i put the vision on the on the screen which i'll read to you right now and then i will talk to you like I would talk to all the people who come to work for us. Basically our vision is this. We aim to open three stores in a roasting plant with a small tasting room by 2020. We're going to establish ourselves as the industry standard in service and job security through providing opportunities to engage in coffee, education, media, design, community outreach, guest services, leadership, and professional development. And we're going to get to this goal. Chris Charles and I have, tons of ideas. The staff that are here now have tons of ideas and they're good ideas. But we currently are only three people and our staff is only so big. We need people to come alongside us who believe in what we're doing, who want to do big things as well. And there's opportunity for all of you to grow with us. If you want to grow here, the, it's it's here for you. We've got your back. We're going to do this. And as we grow through it, We're looking for people to teach and that's our job right now. We're here to help teach you guys to do amazing thing, you people. And if you want to be the kind of person who helps teach others, you're more than welcome to come along and grow this as big as it can be. And in ways that you might not think, because after the three stores and the roasting plant slash fourth store, I always call the fourth store now. So that's what I'm gonna call it. We're going to expand our vision and our vision is not limited. It is only limited by the people, the creativity, the drive, and the quality of work that we are all here willing to do together. So teamwork is gonna make this happen. I cannot wait for the future. I cannot wait to see you all in action. We are gonna kill it, and you're all here for the right reasons. And I believe that, and I'm really excited to see us all do something special together. Let's get it poppin'. Let's get it started. And then I play Black Eyed Peas and then I play another cool song and then we play Eye of the Tiger and we all Roadhouse and then we do Normcore and Hardcore. It's pretty much what happens. But that's the truth. I mean, that's our vision. That's what we do. I believe that. Chris and Charles believe that. We can do whatever we want. We just have people that have to come along to support us. There's big jobs ahead of us and anybody who wants to spin their wheels and try to do everything themselves forever just to say they work for themselves in my opinion, is missing huge opportunities. People are what make everything we do special, not the job itself, not the quality of the product, but the people, the creative energy that goes into everything we do is the face melter. And it's the thing that people connect with. People connect with people. You cannot connect with a bean. You cannot connect personally with a perfect espresso. You can have a moment, but you don't connect with it. You connect with the person that's what i believe that's who i am alaya I but there are some mis um common mistakes that happen in orientation and that's one of the biggest ones is mismanaged, mismanaged expectations a lot of the time what people do is they try to get it's almost like they're selling their business to people they're like we're going to do all this stuff this is who we are we're the best there is we're the you know planet earth the best coffee the best specialty coffee on planet earth and so on and so forth and um you know while that can get people excited if you get people overly excited and then you launch them out of a cannon without wings or you don't follow through on all the things at all that you say you want to do or follow through on then you're inadvertently ruining yourself you're putting you're you're shooting yourself in the foot early because these people are going to start working for you and they're going to leave orientation and they're gonna start assessing in well, actually, first they're gonna leave excited to see all the things you talk about, and then you're gonna they're gonna get to work and they're gonna see if you are telling the truth. Your job is to tell the truth, your job is to be real, your job is to be up front, your job is to remember to tell them that they're there also to work really hard, and that sometimes getting all of those dreams to be attainable will require one month one month one year sometimes two years to get there which means that these people will have to do a job that long before they can start achieving some of these goals or so on and so forth right you just don't want to overinflate what's going on and make it cooler than it is you want to make it real and so that's something you cannot do the other thing is you cannot undervalue or underfund your training programs I'm going to leave you with a couple of statements because I just realized that we're at 35 minutes. But I also just realized that uh, my computer's at 4% and I left my charger at work. So, hey, it's going to be a two-parter. Okay, guess what? We underinvest in training, all of us. Maybe the best companies and the biggest companies don't, but we cannot... Under invest in training. According to a 2012 Allied Workforce Mobility Survey, within a year, employers lose nearly 25% of new hires, while another 33% on top of that do not satisfy productivity targets. Why? Underfunded onboarding programs and poor training programs. We cannot do this anymore. Take the time and do it. The custodians at Disneyland wear white and sweep the floor. You see them on main street and all over the place and they spend eight weeks in training and the last three or four days tops are the technical training aspects. What are they doing for the other seven plus weeks? They are learning the ins and outs of the company culture. Why? Because Disneyland, Disney knows that they are delivering magic, happy memories every single day with human beings. And in order to do that, they have to have everybody on the same page. And they're smart enough to know that the easiest people to get a hold of when there's hundreds of thousands of people running around are the custodians in all white, walking around everywhere, making sure that that park is clean. Let me tell you that park is clean if you've never been there. It blows my mind. We talked about this a long time ago in an episode right after we got back from our employee engagement uh, class. But that eight week training these, these employees know weird things that you would never expect them to know. Like when does Universal Studios close? Where's the best place to watch the parade if I have a person this who wants to see Elsa? Where is the best place to eat if I like this kind of food? Where's the best place to eat if I have this kind of allergy? Blah, 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 so on and so forth. Ask them questions. They will find you answers and they'll do it happily. And they know how to take care of people. So that's eight weeks of training. But what's crazy and I think so cool is that there's less than 2% turnover in that job. Less than 2%, which means two things that it's a satisfactory job and that these people who work in that job have opportunities to grow and grow out of it. They don't leave the company. So tell me how it's not important to invest in training programs because I don't think most people who are listening to this are very excited about cleaning bathrooms, sweeping trash and talking to people, um, and giving them directions all day, every day. Some people would love that job. Cool. But I think the majority of us who are listening to this would maybe not be happy at the entry level position at the place you are working for over a year. And that's something to be said about your company's culture, not the position or maybe yourself and your interests, which is also fair. But I can tell you one thing that the cost of training for uh, onboarding, like eight new hires for us is around $9,000. I can't afford to lose half of that. I can't afford to lose 25% to people just leaving. And I can't afford to lose the other 33% to people just doing a crappy job. I think I'd rather save tens of thousands of dollars in order to do amazing things for everybody on my team. And I think you guys would too. So to leave you, if you find yourself to be the kind of person, which is normal, who is not energized at all by delivering or creating training, then you need to find somebody who is, and get them into leadership and pay them to do that job and show them a performance uh, performance, show them the future with you and mean it because it's so, so, so worth investing. And we cannot waste our time and money with turnover and turnover and turnover and turnover. Let's take all that money and turn it into paying people more and giving them opportunity in the future because that is what is special. So with that, I think we're going to just take a nice little break. And then we're going to talk in the next episode on ways to make things easier so you can train and focus on creating a sustaining and engaging culture. So, my name is Jared Truby. I'm signing off. Thanks for listening to my loud mouth. And uh, I hope you weren't too bored. This has been the Cat and Cloud Coffee Podcast. All y'all out there, stay jazzy, stay classy.